a brilliant reminder of God's faithfulness next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Whether it's after our feelings get hurt or things don't go our way, a fight or squabble can so easily lead to contention and even division. It even happens within the local church. Today on Abounding Grace, we take a look at the damage on the other end of contentions and divisions that are birthed out of our flesh. In the Church of Corinth, a number of cliques had formed around their favorite leader, and things got so bad they were on the verge of a church split. That's when the Apostle Paul stepped in with these words we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor pointing out what went wrong so we don't repeat the same mistakes. Churches that can be so filled with the Spirit and every spiritual gift can still get off track. That's what we see happen in this church in Corinth. It isn't a story, nor is anything in the scriptures just a story of some made-up church, but the church in Corinth was real. And they were indeed filled with every spiritual gifting. God was using them greatly. The city that they were in was intensely worldly. And God, his gospel dropped right into that city, and people got saved and saved and saved, and lives were changed. Paul himself was there for 18 months pouring into that church, raising up leadership, teaching the word, praying for the people. And as he leaves the city, it didn't take long for the church to fall into chaos. And when Paul hears about all the chaos that's going on, he takes his pen in hand and he writes them a letter directly from his heart. And I wonder if he even knew that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. That the answer that was given and the correction that would be shared wasn't just from Paul's heart, but it was a combination of the Holy Spirit dwelling in Paul, having come upon Paul, and he was in reality obeying God as he wrote this note, and it's reserved for us to learn ourselves here. So pick up with me in verse 9 now. It's where we left off the last time. As Paul reminds the church, he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful... And let's just pause there just for a second. Because when chaos enters your life, you cannot and I cannot forget, God is faithful. It doesn't really matter what you think right now. It doesn't really matter what you see right now. It doesn't matter where the emotions are and what you're going through. Listen, God is faithful. And we can't pass over that. It's so true and so profound And notice it's a bi-relationship. He says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same 
judgment. And scattered throughout this letter, scattered throughout the letters that Paul writes, are these reminders of God's faithfulness. And I think it's important throughout our lives that these reminders of God's faithfulness be scattered as well. That we're reminded that God is faithful. That even when we are faithless, Paul tells Timothy, God remains faithful. And notice he's called us into this fellowship of faithfulness. So that the mark of a believer will be faithfulness. Will be a life that's marked, not marked by perfection, but just simply marked by faithfulness. That you and I as believers can be trusted that our word matters I think in the world that we live in and and how the society goes where your word isn't worth much, Christians, they they kind of, well, you know, if the world's doing it, maybe I can do it. But listen, if you've been called into the fellowship with a faithful God, then it's going to mark your life. You're going to become faithful. You're going to become more faithful. Not only will you become faithful, but your life will be marked by being full of faith, trusting him so that you can keep your word. So that you can follow through with what you said or, or what you committed to. That's the fellowship. To share in common the faithfulness of God. So that your name and your reputation. It's so beautiful how this all ties together for us as a church. With what we're studying on our midweek study. And how it all fits in on the weekends. Looking at one of the characteristics that, of the people that God uses is Faithfulness. And then Paul will tell us now on a Wednesday night, just to support that in our lives, that we've been called into this fellowship of his son, the faithfulness of his son. Verse 11, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos and I of Cephas and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Now the pleadings of Paul came because of the truth that was shared with him by Chloe and those in her household. And you might just want to mark this, just maybe circle her name, that Paul actually names her. Hey guys, I'm writing you this note and guess what? Chloe has shared with me that there's division among you. There's dissension. There's all kinds of weirdness of people are saying I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and there's division and there's chaos and confusion and I just wanted to know, I know about it and Chloe and her household are the ones that told me. Don't miss that. It's a very powerful truth. Someone, if you look at Chloe's life, as she is observing all the things that are going on, and she is measuring them up by the word of God and by what Paul has taught her and how her prayer life and the confirmation of this fellowship with, her, with God's son, Jesus Christ, as she's patterning, just living her Christian life, she sees something as, you know what, this isn't right. Something's wrong here. And she actually goes to the source, someone that can actually help solve the problem. We no, read no mention of her gossiping about it. We read no mention of her going to someone else or, you know, by the time Chloe was done telling everybody else about the problems, finally she told me none of that. It just simply, hey, Chloe, let me know that something's not happening. Something's not going on right, correctly. And I want you guys to know. Not only did Chloe share the truth, but she was willing to be named by name. She was willing to put her life out there. She wasn't ashamed of the truth. She wasn't ashamed of 
what she had to share. She cared more about Jesus than she did about what the response would be for the people that she's calling out. Believe me, the people that were reading this letter knew exactly who they were. They knew exactly who they were. Paul, instead of naming them for the sake of unity and wanting to bring them, he names Chloe. Because you know from time to time, there will be those that come to me and say, hey, Pastor Ed, did you know so-and-so and such-and-such? And did you hear about so-and-so and such-and-such? And I say, now, you're talking about someone else here. Is it possible, will you allow me to use your name when I go help solve? Oh, no, no, Pastor, don't, no, 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 no. I just want to be that little birdie that shared something with you. I don't want to be involved. But you're already involved. And your unwillingness to have your name name really brings into question what you really care about. It really brings into question where your heart really is with the Lord. I mean, after all, if something finally does come to me as pastor, prayerfully within the realm of our congregation, I'll, have the, I'll be able to help you. But not anonymously. Well, you know, a little birdie over here and a birdie over there and all these birdies are telling... No, 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 let's come together. Let me help you. Perhaps in my discipleship with you, I can help you solve this and it'll never have to come to me again. I'll actually give you the tools and the discipleship as a believer in Jesus Christ. You know, you have the same authority that I do with the word of God. That you might be able to be trained to come alongside and knock some of these things out as fellow believers. But if you share with me something and you're not willing to have your name used, you're not willing to be named... I don't know exactly what's going on, but I can say this. There is a very good chance you're on the pathway of fearing man more than you fear God. And that's not the way Chloe went. Chloe, I could already hear Chloe, hey, go ahead, Paul, share my name. They know I know. I've, I've shared with them already. I, I've pleaded with them myself. But I think, Paul, with your word, perhaps they'll listen. With your word and your authority that's been given to you by God, perhaps they'll listen to you. Because it's wrecking the church. It's bringing the church down, as Paul will show us in a moment. It's bringing great division. It's bringing great contentions. And it's not good for the body. And so Chloe's being named because she's genuinely concerned. She's not trying to stir up trouble. She's not trying to tattletale. She's not trying to bring anyone to a place where they're going to be embarrassed. She just wants the glory of God. The issue is that these people were gathering together in opposition or in competition with others. And they were naming it. This is what they were saying. Hey, I'm of Paul. And I'm of Apollos. Oh, and I'm Cephas. And what about, well, we're the ones that really follow Christ. And at least four different camps were happening within the body. It reminds me of the world in which we live today, which is filled with denominations. Denominations, different segments of the body of Christ that generally believe the same thing, most denominations, except that they go off in different areas of practice. Now, I'm not talking about doctrinally here, because God always speaks of us taking a doctrinal stand. But denominationally, they might worship a different way. They, they might have different songs. They, they, they might include worship music in terms of you know, instruments. Some may not. Some may like a cappella. There's a lot of distinctions in denominations today. And yet right there for us, where we stand denominationally, is right in our bulletin. It's there every single week. Let me read it to you. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed to his image by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not a denominational church, 
nor are we opposed to denominations as such. We are opposed only to the emphasis of non-biblical teachings that divide the body of Christ. We believe the true basis of Christian fellowship is God's love, which is greater than our differences, and without his love, we have no right to say that we are Christians. And that's our view. To see the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, endeavoring to keep that unity. And that's our desire. The real problem is when we start to build up walls between us that make it harder to reach a lost world. These walls are easily built up as as you see these distinctions and divisions being emphasized. One of the ways you can see that emphasized is as God begins to bless the church down the street. Not necessarily our fellowship, but the church down the street just seems to be blessed. and, and, And the Holy Spirit is doing something remarkable there. When our first response is, well, you know, uh, I, see the, I see the blessing of the church down the street, but, you know, they don't really believe this, and they don't really believe that, and they don't do this. And, and again, don't misunderstand me. Doctrinally sound churches are who are we are in fellowship with, not those that are teaching false teaching, not those that are emphasizing things that can't be found in the scriptures whatsoever. But how easy it is to... Get upset if God's blessing another church. Don't get upset about that. Rejoice. Rejoice that God is blessing our city and using godly men and women throughout our city to bring the lost into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Paul the Apostle faced some real difficulties when he wrote to the Philippians. Would you turn over there? We haven't really turned yet, have we? Turn over to Philippians, just a few pages to the right. What a tremendous example that Paul gives us where our hearts are. And if you find in your Christian life as you're going around the city, you may have some friends and other fellowships and you find out that, hey, it's more than just a practice difference. It's really a doctrinal issue. Don't forget to pray for them. Don't just relegate them and dismiss them, but pray for the leadership because if the leadership changes, the way of the direction of the church is going to change. Pray for them. Intercede for that church. It's one thing to be upset about them. It's a whole other thing to say, God, change them. Change the direction that they're going. Notice verse 1, or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 12. Heavy stuff from the heart of Paul. I mean, this is heavy duty. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it's become evident to the whole palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren, notice the key word there is most. He was having some difficulty with other believers. He says, most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition. Imagine that, to preach Christ from selfish motives. But some were doing it, Paul said, and Paul knew about it. Not sincerely. Can you imagine preaching the gospel without a sincere heart? I can't even imagine doing that. I can't imagine preaching the gospel from a selfish motive, selfish ambition, but it was happening, and it is currently happening in our world today. Not sincerely. And then these guys, in particular, verse 16, wanted to hurt Paul by preaching the gospel somehow. They were going out in the name of Jesus, trying to hurt Paul, supposing to add affliction to my chains 
And who knows what was going on? Competition or, you know, look at Paul. You know, he was often, hey, what kind of apostle is he? He's in chains. He's in prison all the time. Whatever it was, there were people that were out actively engaging in the gospel with lacking sincerity and with impure motives. And some of them even wanted to hurt Paul by preaching the gospel. And so you would think, you know, as verse 17, he compares them. He says, the other ones are preaching out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. And you'd think verse 18 then would say, you know, Lord, just blast them off. Those insincere, mean-spirited, just take care of them. But instead, he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. That is a challenge to every one of us. Every single one of us. Not even coming close to what Paul's going through. But to process the reality that not everyone is preaching the gospel with sincere motives. With Not everybody's sharing Jesus, caring more about them. I mean... The Bible says, Jeremiah says, I'm going to get God through Jeremiah says, I'm going to give you shepherds that are after my own heart. So there are shepherds out there with out of love and preaching the gospel with pure motives. But, you know, when you come across someone that maybe isn't sincere or is just pray for him. Just pray that your heart doesn't get all tore up with the pain and the sorrow that Jesus is already feeling over the lack of love and connection and fellowship by some. Back in 1 Corinthians now. And we want to rejoice when churches are blessed in our city. We want to rejoice when God is doing great things. I love to hear good praise reports from churches in town and churches around the metro area. And it's so wonderful that people are getting saved and people are being blessed. And it's good news to hear that the gospel is going out. So we ask the question, verse 13, is Christ divided? And of course the answer is no. Paul's known to ask these rhetorical questions. Of course he's not divided. Was Paul crucified for you? Of course not. Paul didn't die for your sins. Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. For the believers in Corinth and for you. Jesus died for you. He hung on that cross for you. Paul didn't do it. Ed didn't do it. Your parents didn't die for you. Jesus did. And so as he asked the questions, he even asked, were you baptized in the name of Paul? And those that are going through it, they know they weren't baptized in the name of Paul. And then he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, you do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ, notice this, verse 17. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Now, I love to take our friends that believe in the doctrine of baptismal regeneration to this section of scripture. Our friends from the Church of Christ teach that. That baptism actually saves you. Now... According to the scriptures here, Paul, if, baptized, if baptism really saves you, then what Paul is saying is, is, I'm glad that nobody got saved through my ministry. Because I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. Baptism is for believers, not unbelievers. If an unbeliever gets baptized, the most that they get is wet. Because the blood of Jesus Christ alone saves and nowhere in Scripture, and when we've done this in a deeper study, so we don't have time to get into it today, but nowhere in Scripture will you find any place where the Bible teaches that water saves anyone. And Paul here distinguishes baptism, verse 16, this is what you need to see. He says, excuse me, verse 17, he distinguishes baptism and preaching the gospel. And he says there's two, there are two different things. And he says, I'm glad I didn't baptize 
but instead I came to preach the gospel. And so, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise and where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now, I don't know at what point you were saved, like at what age, but the older you are when you get saved, the more foolish the gospel sounds. You share the gospel with an eight-year-old, and Jesus died for me, and he loves me. I believe. An eight-year-old says, hey, I believe. That's awesome. God loves me. You share that same message with a 50-year-old, and it goes through a whole different spectrum of thought. And it becomes foolishness. Depending on what that person was taught in school, depending on what books they've read, depending on where they are, the older you get, and studies have shown this, the harder it is to believe in this foolish message. It's a foolish message that you, as a human being, were created by God. And that you, as a human being, you were created, and yet by sin, you were separated. And immediately, right then and there, you know, some people have a problem. God created me. No, God didn't create me. I started out as a, a little blob in the ooze of life and all of us over the years, gajillions of years, poof, here I am. Right away. As this message is going out on the radio, right away, there are already those battling the message of the gospel that you were created by God. And now the next step is learning how you were separated from God and a whole nother group of people are offended by that. Just mentioning the word sin. Oh, I'm not a sinner. I'm, I, I'm doing great with God. I read my Bible. I go to church. I, I'm a good person. And right away, a whole other segment of society has been offended by the message. It's offensive. Yeah, some find the message of the gospel offensive or foolish. And God, through his word, said it would be this way. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and we're making our way through 1 Corinthians. Remember, you can access these studies online at calvaryaurora.org or through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Here in the month of April, we've picked out an excellent book written by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. Remember the old hymn, Just a Closer Walk with Thee? Maybe that's a desire of yours, but you're just not sure how to get there with God. Tozer sheds light on the path to a closer walk with God in the pursuit of God. It can become a reality in your life. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Pastor Ed, there's a lot going on this week at Calvary Church, Colorado. Can you take a minute to fill us in on what's going on? Yeah, Larry, it's an exciting week. You know, we are so encouraged to know that many people will be out this weekend to worship God you know, attention is drawn to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the churches are filled. We all have to add services, you know, to make room. So everything starts this Friday at noon with our Good Friday service. And then we have a ticketed event. It's our annual Passover Seder dinner. And tickets are available. You have to call the church to find out the availability because this sells out very fast. 
And the cost basically covers all the materials that's needed. And then Saturday night, we have two services, 4 and 6 p.m. Sunday, we have a, our modified sunrise service. We do it indoors at the church at 645 and then 845 and 1045. We're looking forward to looking at what great things God has done. And what is the greatest thing that God has done but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So come on out, starting this Friday at noon, and then Saturday night, we're gonna, all the services will be the same Saturday night and Sunday, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock p.m. on Saturday night. Sunday morning, 8.45 and 10.45. All the information is available at calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church, or you can use calvaryaurora.org. Either one's gonna get you to the place where you need to find directions, and you could call us with any questions. If you'd like more information, go to calvaryaurora.org. And for those of you outside the area, you can watch our services live there at calvaryaurora.org. Don't miss our next study in the Word next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 